0: Welcome to EMDR Chat with Kurt and Michelle. Good day, Michelle. How are you?
1: I'm good, Kurt. How are you?
0: I'm great. I'm happy about what we're doing today and the following days of beginning this podcast of what EMDR therapy is all about and how we can use it and where we can go with it. How about you?
1: Well, I'm really excited because what we're really aiming for is talking to clinicians who are either trained. And wanting to know more about EMDR therapy and what we can do with it, you know, uh, clients and stuff like that. And we're also aiming this for client, for, I'm sorry, clinicians who have not yet been trained in EMDR therapy and letting them know perhaps why they might want to. Exactly.
0: So how about we start by letting our audience know a little bit about us and why we're here today. Right. why they should be listening to us. Yes, correct. So Michelle, I- please begin. My partner okay. in this endeavor. Please continue.
1: So uh, my name is Michelle Gottlieb. Um, I've been doing therapy for something like over 30 years. I don't even know how long it is. But I also teach at Cal State Fullerton. I'm adjunct there. And um, I tell my students that I've been doing therapy for over 30 years. And if they tell me they aren't even 30 years old, they will fail my course. Not as, only am I As ad- well as
0: they should, Michelle.
1: Right? Absolutely. So not only I'm an adjunct faculty and I teach grad school teaching people to become therapists, um, I'm also in private practice in downtown Fullerton, for those of you who are familiar with Orange County, not far from Disneyland. And um, I specialize in chronic pain, chronic illness, complex trauma, EMDR therapy. And along with my partner, Kurt Roundson, we own a training company called EMDR Professional Training, where we train people to do EMDR therapy, and also have advanced trainings and a whole mess of other stuff that we'll talk about some other time.
0: Kurt, yes, well, thank who are you. Oh, you? Well, uh, I've been—I uh, feel really kind of bad saying this, but I've been doing this for forty-six years in practice, and thirty-one of those years have been with EMDR therapy. I was trained by Francine Shapiro in ninety-one, ninety-two. And I trained for her institute for 25 years. And I've been a university professor, uh, graduate chair of a program, started a marriage family program, and taught the, the first EMDR course in a graduate school in 1995, back in those old days. And for all the people listening, many of them have weren't even born then. And I,
1: Don't even think about it, Kurt. It just makes us feel sad.
0: I know. And so in 2019, uh, Michelle and I really launch this business to uh, bring about what we thought was helpful for clinicians and people who are being trained and adding into things that we thought were very important. So that's why I'm here.
1: All right. So now that we know a little bit about us, you know, we said this podcast is for EMDR clinicians, people who are already trained or people who are wanting to get trained. So let's start with that. Why would you want to get trained in this weirdo therapy? Kurt?
0: Yeah. Well, I, I tell people all the time, you've heard me say this, that I've been doing trauma work for a long time, long before EMDR came along. And the methodologies I used at that time were exhausting. I'd go home at night and I would carry the, barren, the burden of our patients with me. And it was Horrific. And I knew if something didn't happen, I would burn out very early. And then fortunately, I was co- coaxed into going to EMDR training with Francine Shapiro 9192. And all of a sudden I realized, hey, I can help not only my patients go through horrific traumatic experiences without having to put it into words. And I also could see the changes rather dramatically and very quickly, which translated to me as I didn't carry it home after that.
1: And, you know, for me, as a, a young clinician, because I am much younger than Kurt.
0: <laughs> of course you are.
1: Of course I am. Um, <laughs> that I came into this field because I wanted to help people heal. And I was doing, frankly, a whole lot of Band-Aids. I was doing... Um, I would listen to them and I would help them you know, express their emotions and I would have them tell their stories and give them more coping mechanisms and deep breathing, but they weren't healing. They were merely coping. And I got really frustrated. Like, here I am supposed to be helping people. And while they did say, yes, they were better, but they weren't healing. And so, yeah, I heard about this weirdo therapy and- I got trained in it in uh, 2000, 2001, and for the first time ever, I was healing people. People were saying the trauma is no longer part of their lives. They could get on and live the life they were always supposed to live, that the trauma got in the way. And uh, all in.
0: All in. Uh, My story is very similar. Uh, I'd be selling real estate were it not for EMDR (laughs) therapy at this point in time in my life. But I leave my office every day seeing people uh, transformed and healed, as you said. And part of the reason you you, you just said it is that EMDR is not a talk therapy. It reprocesses traumatic events on a biological level that is built into our brain. And I believe that what Francine Shapiro discovered was a natural healing uh, design of our brain. And she took advantage of that, and she developed the methodology around that, and as such, all you and I do, Michelle, every day is facilitate what the brain does automatically. We facilitate the healing that the brain does by itself. You and I have taught for a long time, we talk about you cut the finger, and you go to your physician, he or she does not heal you. They butterfly, they suture, they wrap, and you walk out of that office and your finger heals itself that's how our brains were designed to heal itself and i believe that what emdr brought into my life at that time was the ability to help patients brains heal themselves without all the words because guess why michelle why kurt because a lot of trauma can't be put into words which may be a topic of future broadcasts, podcasts. Right. I, I bet we'll saying. talk about that one. Yeah, I we'll bet we will. About,
1: yeah. So just to kind of speak a little bit more to what Kurt just said is that, remember, this is an innate mechanism in our brain. We are designed to heal. Our brain is designed to heal like every other part of our body. But sometimes the trauma overwhelms that innate system and it doesn't work. It's kind of like, you know, back to, you know, Kurt's example with the finger that got cut. Well, if there had been a splinter in that finger... You know, we know that splinters often come out by themselves, but sometimes they don't. Sometimes they need a little extra help. So in this case, this is the trauma not coming out by itself. And we're the extra help. EMDR therapy is helping the brain do what it is designed to do.
0: And I just want to piggyback on what you said, Michelle. If the splinter's in your finger and you can't reach it with uh, tweezers, what does the body do?
1: right? It slowly starts working its way out, hopefully.
0: And, and we call that an infection or whatever, but the whole point of it isn't to be an infection. It's the body's attempt to expel that, which is not supposed to be there. And so when you translate that into the EMDR methodology, those infections are the symptoms our patients bring in the door. It's the brain's way to try to expel the splinter of traumatic experience in whatever way they can.
1: And I'm going to change gears just for a little bit. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of people say that they don't, want, they, they don't want to do EMDR therapy or get trained in EMDR therapy because it's too manualized and there's nothing unique or original or I can't bring myself to it or I, my client doesn't feel, I won't feel connected to my client. Um, I, when you first learn it, like anything, And there's there's a manual that goes with it, and you learn the steps to it. But as you start really understanding EMDR therapy, it is very client-focused. It's what the client needs, not what you tell them they should be doing.
0: Well, you know, I use the metaphor of, uh, as you've heard me many times before, it's like learning how to ride a bike. When you're in training, uh, we tell you how to do it exactly right, both feet on the pedals, both feet on the handlebars keeping your balance with training wheels, and you don't do anything strange or weird until you can you know, ride the bike. Once you learn how to ride the bike, then the art of riding the bike comes into place. For EMDR therapy, after you've been through the basic training, what some people believe are rigid, kind of legalistic ways of going about it, once they understand that, and it's in the clinician's head, and they don't have to think about it. That's when the art comes. We can do backflips. We can do wheelies. There's all sorts of things we can do with the MDR therapy that is far more expressive and expansive than what you get in your basic training. But that's the whole part of learning. You have to learn how to ride a bike first before you can do all those other kinds of things.
1: And then just to go to the, um, the idea of, you know, the client's not necessarily going to feel connected to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know... If you help your client feel better, truly heal, they are going to love you.
0: That's right. They're going to love you and they're going to feel a kind of rapport and connection that, frankly, words really can't provide. I'm not saying you can't provide rapport with words. You know, you know Michelle, people have accused me of not liking talk therapy and thinking it's bad, 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 bad. Right. And I, I tell people all the time talk therapy, I have no problems with. It's important, I do it every day with my patients. The difference is, when it comes to desensitizing trauma, talk therapy may not be the most effective way. And the research tells us, and the brain scan tells us why. Which is, guess what, another podcast. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but the, we have so many things to talk
0: about I know, but the bottom line is When the patient like Michelle says Talk therapy is like having a mansion in your head In your, in your mind With all the rooms The problem with trauma is all the goblins and, and, and ghosts float around Between all the rooms terrifying our patient What talk therapy has been very good about Is putting those ghosts and goblins behind doors And shutting those doors Then ghosts and goblins behind other doors and shutting those doors. So at the end of a really good talk therapy approach with trauma, all the ghosts and goblins are behind doors. The problem is our patient is now relegated to a hallway. If they open this door, the ghosts and goblins come out. If they open that door, the ghosts and goblins come out. What EMDR does is take each room, we call them target memories. We desensitize those memories so that at the end of that treatment of desensitization, the patient can choose whether that door remains open or shut. It's their choice. It does not mean they're relegated and limited in their life.
1: I want to go back to something you said and just even say it more explicitly. as clinicians, all of us, you know, we are talk therapists. That's what we've been trained to do, right?
0: Absolutely.
1: And so we think the only way through this process for our clients to truly get better is to talk. And that's, I mean, you know, social settings. This is what we do all day long as we talk. And so this concept that actually talking doesn't help, it doesn't mm-hmm. get our clients to where they need to get to, is right. a very strange new thought but it's really accurate. Talking, it doesn't help as much as maybe we wish it
0: did. Yeah. It's, you know, Freud called his approach the talking cure, Mm -hmm. right? You brought insight into something and it would help relieve the symptoms. Well, in the 1950s, they realized that insight didn't guarantee cure. That's why family therapists started strategic family therapy, which involved manipulation of the environment, movement of people, like structural family therapy. Because Insight doesn't guarantee cure. And you and I know, both know, as a result of spec and pec scans that what you see in a traumatized brain is that the left hemisphere, which is the hemisphere for most 95% of the people in the world where the expressive speech Broca's area comes from, the ability to put into words what's happening. And the research shows that when you're triggered in your traumatic response The left side darkens. It's offline, which is why one of my favorite people, as you know, Michelle, Pierre Genet, said, Yes. Speechless terror. The inability to put into words what's happened. And how many of you clinicians out there have had the experience where the patient comes in and they have feeling sensations, emotional reactions, and no words for it that fit or no words that come? That is is the difference. EMDR therapy addresses that piece of the trauma.
1: So imagine that you've got this this trauma, whatever it is that they cannot speak to. So you can't do talk therapy because they can't speak to it, but you have this other type of therapy, EMDR therapy, you have this other type of therapy that you can use that helps them work through it. I know I'm gonna say something really weird and people who are trained are gonna be like, well, no, Of course, duh, right? But for people who haven't been trained, we can actually do target – Kurt referred to it as a target memory. It's terminology, EMDR speak. Um, That we can actually do an entire target memory, get it down to no disturbance at all, and the client has never spoken anything about the trauma at all, period. Not one word of it. The specifics of the trauma. The specifics of the trauma. Yeah. And they are still no longer, but they are now no longer traumatized. It is no longer in their face. They, they, it's no longer walking down that hallway or hiding behind a door, like Kurt was saying. It's just no longer an issue.
0: May I share an example you've heard me share before? Can
1: Michelle? I stop you, Kurt?
0: Absolutely not.
1: That's what I figured. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh,
0: I had, a, I had a, uh, a female client that came in as a result of a sexual assault And she'd been to many other therapists, and I was like her fifth or sixth, and someone referred her to me because I did this EMDR thing. And she had been to therapists, and part of what upset her was that whatever modalities those therapists were using, they wanted her to tell a narrative of the horrible thing that happened, put it in words, to write a journal of what happened, put it in words. Uh, to share in a group what happened, to put it into words. And each single time she got that freeze fright response and she could not do it and she left therapy. And finally, some somebody said, you need to try this thing called EMDR. She came to me and I'm a male on top of everything and she was assaulted by a man. She comes in, sits in my office and... She had been assaulted, and I said, you know, basically, what happened? She said, I don't want to talk about it. I said, how fortunate for you. I don't need to know what happened. She says, what do you mean? I said, so, for example, when you think of what the assault that happened to you, is there a picture or image that captures the worst part? And she says, oh, yeah can you tell me that? I don't want to talk about it. I said, okay, if I just said assault image, can you remember that? And she says, yeah, of course. And then went through the rest of the assessment protocol, phase three of EMDR with beliefs and feelings and where you feel in your body. She could give me that because that wasn't an issue. It was the details. And so we began doing the desensitization, reprocessing the traumatic memory. And At the end of each set, I ask her what comes up, what do you notice? She didn't want to tell me details. I said, I taught her what it means to give me feedback about what movement was in EMDR therapy. And she says, bad stuff. I said, go with that. What comes up? More bad stuff. Go with that. And we did that for three sessions until she went from a 10 to a 0. I never knew what the target memory was. Although, I had a pretty good idea. At the end of that, She was a zero, and she felt a suds of zero, which means no disturbance. The event was really bad, but she has no disturbance. And I said, "Uh, what do you want to do next? And she says, do you want to know what happened? I said, I don't need to know. And she began to tell me the narrative of what happened because she no longer had the emotional gut punch. It was a historical narrative story. That's what EMDR can do to our traumatized patients.
1: So we are hoping, as you listen to these podcasts, this is just the first of hopefully lots more to come. Um, and I hope you get excited about EMDR therapy and working with these, this population, because Kurt and I are very excited about this. We're very passionate about this. Um, of course, if you have any questions ever, you know you can send them to us. The information will be after the podcast. The information you get to us will be there. Um, we're gonna have uh, uh, guests come on to talk about different topics, but we're just gonna we're gonna just do EMDR chat all the time. So thank yep. you so much for hanging out with our first podcast.
0: Thank you so much. Yes, thank all you. All right,
1: bye everybody.
0: Bye bye.